Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. George, George, George. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, that. But Snake and more times than I would like to admit to. Yeah, yeah, uh, I've been. I'm not gonna lie to you, dude. I've been, I've been thinking about doing that all day, because. You know, we we record in the evenings. We both have families, mm-hmm. little little kiddos, and I was like, "Am I going to risk waking my kids up for this joke?" Yes, I yep. am. Yes, I am. I am oh God, I yeah. am going to. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, so many kids these days are raised to believe that they're the most important thing in the world, and they are very <laughs> important. But you know, but at some point, it's like you know, like your your child comes down like holding their plushie, and they're like, "Dad, what 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 happened? Is everything okay?" And it's like, "Yeah." I, I, I had to do this bit. It's like, but, but it woke me up, and yeah, I had to do this bit. Did yeah, it's <laughs> it's com- it's it's commitment to the bit. Like, like if there's any time to learn it, now is the time. Yeah, seriously, you got to get that into those kids early. Anyway, oh yeah, uh, we played a video game. We played <gasps> Metal Gear Solid. Yes, yes. So when and and. So for quite some time, we kept talking about playing Metal Gear, and you kept talking about what a solid game it was. So then we played it, and I didn't think it was a very solid game. But now I found out that you were actually saying that this it, the game's name was Metal Gear Solid, which really I feel that you did an expressly poor job communicating. Um, I, I accept I, 100% of the responsibility for this with absolutely God, because... no ability to defend myself because, I mean, obviously, this is totally yeah. at my feet. I am, I am, I thank God because I wasn't going to rest until you accepted 100% responsibility. Like, I am willing to accept 0% of this miscommunication, like 0.00 with, with a 0% margin of error. You know, okay. So you'll, you'll appreciate this. I, if, if any of our listeners appreciate this story besides you, please like at me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we have um, a lot of like regular, uh, you know, analog clocks in my house because I just like the way they look. And so uh, my five-year-old was like, what time is it? Because she's now like suddenly very aware of time because like school starts at a certain time and ends at a certain mm-hmm. time and lunch is at a certain time. So like she's now very aware that like what time it is matters for certain things. And so she asked me the other night what time it was and I was getting over a cold. So I didn't feel very well. So I kind of looked over at the clock and I said, which hand or which number is the small hand pointing to? And she said, it's between the six and the seven. And I said, then it is between six and seven. And she, she said, yeah, but, but what, what time is it? And I said, no, no, that was enough significant digits. (laughs) That was all of the sig figs you needed. <laughs> and she like, just kind of like, I mean, like you would expect from most people, honestly, not even just five-year-olds, kind of like stared at me for a second and then just went back to talking as if I hadn't just steamrolled right over her with jargon she didn't understand. <laughs> I was just like, this is fine. She stopped asking me about the time and that's really what I wanted. Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite things to do occasionally because I'm, I'm a jerk. Occasionally at work is when somebody says, uh, you know, 
hey, do you know where so-and-so is? I'm like, no, no idea. And they're like, well, you know, like, and then they, when they ask follow-up questions to that, I'm just like, I, you, you pump in a dry well, right? But then, you know, sometimes like I'll, if I'm particularly frustrated, I'll be like, they'll be like, well, you know, do you, do you have any idea where they are? I'll be like, do you want me to go for accuracy or precision? <laughs> and they're like, they're like accuracy. I'm like, they're somewhere in the known universe, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they're like, well, that's not helpful. And I'm like, I know, but it's super accurate because I can guarantee you I'm right. It's just really imprecise. And and then they're like, well, <laughs> can you do any better? I'm like, they're probably in the state of Georgia. You know, I nice. mean, like I saw them a couple of hours ago. So it's unlikely that they have managed to escape the state in that period of time. But the more accurate you're going to make me be, the less precise I'm going to be. And they're like, well, can you be more precise? I'm like, I can be infinitely precise. They are standing right in front of you. <laughs> like, <laughs> probably not accurate but i mean like they're in that exact millimeter by millimeter section of space i'm not accurate but man that was a precise measurement wasn't it well and i like the idea of going from known universe <laughs> to the state of georgia because you could make a strong case that between your first measurement and your second measurement you had what millions of orders of magnitude increase in, oh, yeah. in, in precision like i would say like whoa compared to what i said a second ago that answer was hyper precise yeah yeah no i mean like i just like blew you out of the water with my like quintillions of, of increased precision <laughs> over several <laughs> seconds i mean come on man but anyway <laughs> we played metal gear solid we did play metal gear solid so uh north american release uh 1998 i didn't dig in on this because i try not to dig in on things if i can avoid it but um, in general, in life, yeah, just period. Uh, that's why the podcast <laughs> is such a good fit because I'd never follow up on anything. Uh, nope. But I got the impression that this game had a worldwide simultaneous release, which I know isn't true. But for some reason, the only like every time I I would look at like a common source for the release date, it would just pop up the North American one. And after I, hmm. I only looked at like two or three places and I was like, oh, they're probably just optimizing for a U.S. audience because they know like I'm accessing a page in English and they know I'm in North America. Right. I was like, ah, I could follow up on this because I know it came out in Japan first, but I'm just not gonna. So, <laughs> what, they, what they did clearly was they had several Metal Gears outfitted to launch the game. And they just deployed them all over the world to launch a sudden massive deployment strike, right? So it was all actually released at the same time. I like that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so so. I have no counter evidence. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I again, possibly super precise. I don't, I don't really know. Pro prove us wrong. At us. You know? <laughs> um, so I want to kind of combine uh, a a brief description description of this game with my nostalgia goggles for this game because uh, this is a game that I you know I played with my my buddy who I've mentioned quite a few times um, and I borrowed this from him a lot. I actually own two different copies of this game and will probably one day own more copies of this game because they keep releasing it as like part of a set. So hmm. like I have one of the re releases and then one of the other re releases but I can't play either of those on any of the game consoles I currently have. So if they released this again and they were like, oh, now you can play it on the PS4, right? Like, and I know I could do the digital one, shut up. But like, I just, I, I like the box art because the, I, I don't know the artist's name, but his artwork is really, really, really gorgeous. Um, and, and I say all that to say this, when this game uh, first came out, I remember sitting down to play it at Brian's house and just being like, 
this is like playing a movie and 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 not thinking that that was a bad thing which i didn't know at the time but that put me into a certain broad category of gamer because mm. there are lots of gamers a lot of critics and people whose opinions i really respect who hate when they can describe a video game that way cuz they're like why wouldn't i just watch a movie and i'm like no 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 it's like playing a movie right and and i i understand now as an adult why everyone doesn't love that but even as a kid i was like the camera is different and the way they do the music is different and the way the story is delivered is different like it really does feel like a 15 hour movie and i for a lot of people who've never played this game i probably just turned them right the hell off <laughs> i mean and and but to be fair i think that that is an apt description and i think that if you did just turn people off they were gonna be turned off like they they you know if somebody if if they had a friend that was like oh man you really really should play metal gear solid you'll love it it's great it's an amazing game and then they're like okay and then they you know googled like you know metal gear solid you know and then they like this podcast comes up <laughs> and they start listening to it you know just to like on their way into the work because they're like oh you know like oh, i'll just like do a little research beforehand and then it's like it's like playing a movie and they were like hell no then we just saved them 15 hours you know because they were gonna frustrating boring hours <laughs> yes so you know i don't <laughs> like a lot of times when people are like oh no i must have just made this person unsubscribe that's typically like you know a a bad thing but in this case it's just like oh man i might have just got convinced somebody to not play this game it's like then if that was the reason then you have saved them time not yeah. turned them off to something they would have otherwise been turned on to i actually have nostalgia um a nostalgia experience for this for this game as well um i had never played it up until now but that being said <laughs> is uh you know i had this one friend of mine in college who would never shut the hell up about it mm, and sounds uh, handsome <laughs> he does sound that way <laughs> um <laughs> but all that being said no um no i mean like you you've you've talked about this game for some time and even though i wasn't able to quite get through and beat it because of a number of reasons that we'll get into um not not for lack of trying um but uh is there were there are some very iconic moments uh in this game that you've kind of like spoken on a number of times that i have finally now gotten to experience and gotten to see if it, it was nice for me because the way you described them i thought that you know right as i watched them that my tv would turn to gold and <laughs> and and start spewing bitcoin at me and i could just turn all of that in and then be a bajillionaire you know but uh none of that happened but that being said it was um it was interesting to finally actually see some of these things that you had spoken about for so long and see them firsthand and see if they held up well and and this is something that i'm i'm aware that like most geeks and nerds and dorks and and weirdos uh when i'm passionate about some dumb thing like a tv show or a video game or some cartoon or whatever like i will defend it way more than is necessary for someone who isn't paid to defend that thing right mm -hmm. because you know like the you just think of the stereotypes right like the the picard versus kirk arguments or the star trek versus star wars what argument i mean obviously not, right <laughs> yes i mean like... Yeah, there's a reason you have a Picard sweater and not a Kirk sweater. I mean, come on, come on, come on. Anyway, yeah, come on, guys. But, you know, those kinds of, you know, Hercules versus yeah. Xena, you know, whatever. 
people do this with man versus she-ra yeah people do this with you know athletic teams and somehow that's not nerdy right but like i (laughs) i I realize now that if you actually want someone to enjoy the thing that you love this is not the way to do it right because Mm -hmm. shaking them by the collar and screaming it's the best thing ever if you convince them and then they go and watch the movie play the game read the book whatever and they don't have an experience exactly as you described, you've ruined it, right? And they may have had yeah. an amazing experience, but if you built it up too much, right? And and this is like, when I think back to uh, the transition from high school to college, and I met people who had not had my exact life experience because they grew up in a different town and they had different hobbies and things. And all of the time I spent shaking them by the collar and being like, no, you must love this thing. It's like, oh, God so much wasted time and effort when I could have just been off loving the thing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and especially when, you know, like generally the way I, I try to sidestep that now is, you know, I'm like, like, Oh my God, have you played, you know, the last of us? No, actually. Okay. It's, it's, it is a very, very solid game. I would strongly suggest you check it out. It does a lot of very neat and innovative and creative things. That being said, I am a huge fan of it. So I'm just going to gush about it for a second. And here we go. So like, you know, yeah. you appropriately qualify the upcoming monologue to be like, look, it, it doesn't turn your TV to gold and start spewing <laughs> Bitcoin, but I think it does. Yeah. But to so. me, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the one other thing I want to mention about this game is, uh, and we, we talked a little bit about this when we played Metal Gear. It's okay. So I don't know if this is obvious, but every time I start to say Metal Gear, I, my mouth just starts to form the word solid. And I have to like choke that down to just say Metal I, Gear. I can tell because you sound like a British person doing an American accent. I, I can, I'm sure you sound insane, which is what I think. Like Metal Gear, sir. (laughs) And if if I was talking about the robot, right, just saying Metal Gear, right? But when you say the title of the game, it's like, you know, you don't say, oh, back during Civil War, you say, the civil war right it's like it's like a tribe called quest like it's just it's it's (laughs) it's it's a full you know the word to me having started with metal gear solid the word solid is just on the end of that title anyway Mm -hmm. when we played metal gear i mentioned that uh hideo kojima has a lot of he's like a divisive figure in in some circles for a lot of his writing and stuff we're about to talk about but he uh he's really obsessed with movies and he's really obsessed with Western movies in particular. And so this game, even more than the early ones, because it's so much more cinematic and there's spoken dialogue and there's actually literally live footage in some parts of the the game. Um, did Japanese and, and European audiences and, and, you know, like Asia Pacific, right? So Australian audiences, like, did they have any idea what the hell this stuff was? I mean, because like I knew because I'm an American and I grew up at the right time in history to have this background knowledge, but there's a lot of references to like the Cold War and like Western Mm -hmm. movies and just like Western cultural stuff, but it's all wrapped up and delivered in this like, not just a weird Japanese kind of humor that's a little foreign to Western audiences, but his humor, which is like mm-hmm. even quirky by Japanese standards, which is also kind of different than most Western humor, particularly in the nineties when this game came out. So like, I just wonder like the audience for this game, like the people who have the correct overlap of background pop culture knowledge is Hideo Kojima. 
<laughs> like yeah. no one else on earth until this game had become famous and had, people had started to look into this kind of crap, like had all of the background knowledge, because what are the odds that someone has his exact sense of humor, knows all this stuff about Japanese culture that he knows being a native Japanese person born and raised there and knows all this stuff about Western culture that he knows being a person who's obsessed with Western culture in a part of the world that's obsessed with Western culture. Like that's a that Venn diagram does not have a lot of overlap. No, but I think that I don't think that you need to be when you're looking at marketing to an audience, I don't think that you need to be looking at the center of the Venn diagram. You need to be looking at the total area coverage of the Venn diagram, right? So Yeah, I, you I know, agree with that. Yeah, so so basically it's like, you know, there's a whole bunch of like like humor and Japanese references and things that we wouldn't get in that, but we didn't need to because we understood all the Cold War stuff and all of this other kind of kind of items. Um there's you know, like did did the entire Japanese audience understand like all the cold war references and all this sort of stuff? Probably not. But I mean, you know, there's probably a ton of references in some old, uh, Kung Fu videos that we've watched that just went right over our heads, oh, but God, we weren't yes. in it for that. We were, in it, <laughs> yeah, we were in it for the other thing, you know? So, uh, so yes, yeah, so I think that, that, that what you just described may actually be one of the reasons why it was so successful was because there was stuff in there that so many different audiences could kind of like latch onto. Well, and, and that adds to that social element, right? Of like, hey, I noticed there's this, like this character says this thing in this weird way, or there's this footage I don't understand, or there's this thing that seems like a joke, but it didn't really seem all that funny to me, right? So then you, you kind of get that like, what did you think about this? Hey, what about that one scene with that one thing, right? And and it kind of encourages that sort of thing a little bit. Like if if there's a lot of thoughtful stuff in there that's not likely to have a ton of audience overlap then maybe it helps to engender that sort of like, oh, in, in the, you know, halfway through the second disc, when this crazy thing happens, like, did that make any sense to you? Like, the characters seemed to know what was going on. Right. So, uh, so yes, with all that said, uh, visuals? It, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> um, it, I was talking uh, on the internet with a, uh, a, a listener who had never played this game, and I was like, you know, oh, we're you know kind of open the kimono a little and i was like oh we're we're gonna play metal gear solid hey maybe maybe you should <laughs> yeah. play it if and let, you know let me know what you think of it and uh they got about 30 seconds in and they were like why do all the characters faces look like dolls with the eyes scratched out by a child and I, <laughs> and to say that was a glass shattering moment doesn't really accurately describe it because it's more <laughs> like I had already run off the cliff Wiley Coyote style, but I was refusing to look down. And as soon as someone just gently pushed my head down, and so I had to look and see that there was no more ground under me, I just went crashing to the stone below because now that is all I can see. Right? <laughs> I'd already made my peace with the fact that their mouths don't move and they just kind of bobble head to like simulate, you know, jaw movement. But mm -hmm. the eyes being described as dolls scratched out eyes by like a psycho child i was just like no no because that's exactly what they look like oh oh god oh god <laughs> you see that's the one of the things that that okay so so i thought that the the art style was very well done given the constraints of the media and you know like what like sorry the constraints of the hardware and the fact that you know they can't they couldn't do a Super Mario 
64 or Star Fox 64 where they just like made them like wild and zany characters. So like their eyes are like enormous, you know, like they have to look. Yeah. There couldn't be white white circles with black dots in the middle. Exactly. (laughs) Sorry. I just pictured that. I got it. (laughs) Just all googly eye snake. (laughs) (laughs) The internet has to have made that at some point, but, uh, but no, so I thought that, you know, like the, the choices that they made to, you know, kind of like paint on the faces and paint on, you know, like, snakes rippling rippling abs i mean there's a reason why that man's called solid snake am i right you know i mean like that he is he is shredded i mean from one beef tower to another respect but uh (laughs) but 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 all that being said i thought that um they made they, they made the right choices where they had to for like you know well which would look better having them actually move their mouths and having it look like some you know, crazy Lovecraftian ish, you know, like problem or, you know, just going with simplified. And and it would not surprise me with the amount of attention, because I mean again, Hideo, Hideo Kojima wanted to make movies, the amount of attention that they kind of put into this stuff that like they did try a number of different kind of eyes. And this was the best that they that they were like, this is the what looks the most consistent. You know? Well, and and I think uh, it's th- they're there are a ton of women in this universe. Um, and it, it feels like they optimized that face for the furrowed brow man who does things right. Because it looks less absurd on snake on Otacon. Well, Otacon wears glasses, I guess. Uh, but it looks less absurd on like snake and Vulcan Raven. Who's like a big hulking behemoth, you know, like on liquid snake. Who's, who's got, you know, kind of like, he's always sort of like, intense about whatever's going on right that they all seem like their brow is furrowed and it would kind of be casting a little bit of shadow like kind of anime style but meryl who is supposed to be like a doe-eyed like total deer in the headlights kind of you know he's in all of snake's interactions with her like you're too green right and it's just so for her to have this like super pale skin and then these giant black orbs in the middle of her face where she doesn't obviously have a prominent brow it's like Whoa. and then on top of it snake is like you know no you have kind compassionate eyes it's like no no she doesn't <laughs> her eyes are terrifying Not... like everyone's and that's why he found them compassionate yeah i mean you know, i guess, that, I guess it, oh you know what it is it's like in that twilight zone episode spoilers for a 70 year old episode of the twilight zone but it's like that you twilight zone episode with the, the pig snouts yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's what it is. There. <laughs> and and Hideo Kojima being a huge fan of American, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got there. Um, but <laughs> but so one of the things that and this does kind of tie to visuals, which is that the intro is basically the intro to a movie, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean like it's now one of the things that they they did do was it all of like the 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 art and and I may be wrong on this, but from what I remember is that all the cutscenes, I don't remember seeing any of them that were like pre where the like it was like a pre rendered cutscene where you know no, in the H- sense that you know Hideo Kojima famously never ever pre renders anything. So however good he wants his cutscenes to look, the whole game's got to look that good because they're all done in engine is the term for that. W- which which I really like because I think that that helps with immersion, you know, because the idea is, is it's not like, okay, I am now playing the video game part as a video game player, and now I'm watching the movie part. It's like, it's all, you know, fluid and uninterrupted. I felt that the 
art and the visuals and clearly like the camera angles and, and everything was very well thought out and well chosen at the beginning of the game, which I appreciated because I kind of knew that I knew what I was getting into because I, I know all of like, so, or not all, but some of the, the lore around this series. But if you didn't, if you got mildly irritated with the first 10 minutes of just cutscene, 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 cut, you know, like, like that, then you know, I mean, the game lets you know what it's about, right? So, you know, like, if you didn't like that, and then another three minutes into it, you got another cutscene, and another four minutes into it, you got another cutscene, it, like, you would probably, if you didn't like that, then you're out, you know? And you didn't, like, play for, you know, ten hours, and then all of a sudden the game comes to a grinding halt when <laughs> the style of the game changes, and, you know, you're forced to watch three hours of a movie. It's like, the game lets you know what it's about right off of the top. So you're either on board with it or you're not. And uh and I like that. Yeah. No, and 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 I didn't I didn't want to talk over you, but as someone who played Final Fantasy VII, uh I am totally on board the do your cutscenes in engine train because in Final Fantasy VII, to go from terrifying hoof hands cloud to you know, pretty good, you know, really good for the yeah. time, but like pretty good looking oh, yeah. cloud like in the cutscenes. Like that is jarring because it's like, you know, oh, I'm playing Final Fantasy seven. Oh, now I'm watching a scene from Final Fantasy seven, the movie. Okay, now I'm playing Final Fantasy seven again, right? And because the cutscenes, the the fully rendered cutscenes in um Final Fantasy traditionally, but Final Fantasy seven specifically, are really not that long, right? They're they're fairly fairly short, you know, minutes. But I mean the mm-hmm. cutscenes in Metal Gear Solid are like they're long, dude. Like they're really long. Yeah. So like if you kept getting that jarring like now I'm playing the game. Now I'm not playing the game. Now I'm playing the game. Now I'm not playing the game. That would be immersion breaking in a way that I think sucks. But also um in the because the fourth wall breaking stuff we're gonna get to later like gets ramped up even more over time. And in the cutscenes, because they're happening in the normal game engine uh, sometimes you can like go into first person and look around. Sometimes you can like interact with the world in some way during a cutscene, right? And it it reminds you that like yes, you're watching the story, but you are still playing a video game, so like you still have some semblance of control and autonomy. And it's it's just that weird kind of stuff he likes to do with you know breaking the fourth wall. But it's that wouldn't work in the slightest if it was a fully rendered cutscene. Like that wouldn't even be an option, let alone make any damn sense. It wouldn't be in the same ballpark. It wouldn't be in the same league. It wouldn't even be in the same sport. Um, <laughs> one thing that I thought the visuals did very, very well, um, and then they, they for me personally, ruined it, was, um, <laughs> was so, like, your HUD is very elegant, I feel. Uh, most specifically, the, the the map, right? The uh, mini-map. The with... Solaton radar. Sorry, <laughs> it, I... I it took all of my energy. I blacked out there for a minute and almost shut my computer. <laughs> so I'm back now. What are we? Oh God, we're doing like a podcast or something. Uh, uh, no, but yeah. So the the Holoton radar. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, that. The, so I thought that you know, like it, it gives you a really obviously a really clean kind of top down view of the the world. It allow it in visually empowers you to be stealthy right because it kind of outlines you know the areas that you know are like solid objects right so you can very quickly see like oh that's a tank and that's something else and it has the visual cones of like if you are here then you're going to get seen and if you're not then you're not and i thought that was beautifully and elegantly done until they sat me down like a three-year-old and explained it to me (laughs) 
in the opening. <laughs> that frustrated me because I was like, you made this amazing thing. I can automatically tell all of the stuff that's going on. You're feeding it into my brain in this beautiful fashion. I'm like, hey, okay, so this is how this works. It's like, no, I, I got it, man. Push the push the gas pedal to go. Push the brake to stop. Yeah. But so you're going to push down on the gas pedal, right? Yeah. No, I got it. I'm going to start going. And you're going to start going. Yeah, I got it. Now, the longer you push it, the longer I'm getting, the faster I'm going to go. I get it. And it's just like, no, 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 no. We're going to explain it to you. And I didn't want to like hard skip through it because I was afraid that they were going to sprinkle in some other stuff that like, which they, they totally would do that I was going to really need. So I'm like, yep. Yeah. Oh no, this was just explaining to me how to interact with this, this very beautifully well-crafted HUD. So I thought that was like a plus point and a negative point, like a plus point for visuals, a negative point for like game design where it's like, no, I got it. Well, and you, you did good. So, you, so you if, made the sale. If you think, of the time in history, right? Like I don't, maybe this is the first game that ever did something like that. Right. Or it was certainly, this was not a well-established standard at that time for sure. That being said, when I got up to the top of the elevator and it's like, you take off the mask and it's like, you are the solid snake. Go, you know, save the DARPA chief, shoot that guy in the face. No, wait, not that guy. Shoot that guy. Okay, good. Right. And, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm snake. I'm going to go do stuff. And then uh, Mei Ling. Mei Ling gets on the codec and she's like, let me explain to you how your radar system works. And you totally lose control of the character. But Snake is doing stuff so that you can see him like go into first person view and you can see him move so that the Soliton radar updates as he's moving. And I was just like, uh, right, because it's essentially like if at the beginning of every book you read, they were like, OK, so you're going to read this book from uh, left to right and top to bottom. When you get to the end of a page, you're going to turn the page and it's like, yes, I've read other books. I know how books work, but I'm like, I I respect that at this time in history, this may be the first book. So maybe people really Mm -hmm. weren't used to books, but I will 100% agree with you that in a land of my, you know, elevated games literacy, this did not survive nostalgia goggles. That entire conversation with (laughs) Mei Ling, I was just like, shut up, shut up, shut up. But I I didn't skip through it because I was afraid there would be story stuff in there that I didn't (laughs) remember. Yeah. And, and, and so here's my, the reason why it, it very well may have been like the pioneering thing, but to me, a good visual is a good visual, you know, like there's a reason why like it's perma around now, like, you know, you can hand off a, a video game with that type of HUD to someone who has never played any game with that type of HUD before, and they'll immediately pick it up. Right. So, or generally, but, uh, but yeah, so that's why I was just kind of like, it, it was, you know, like like they made this amazing thing, but they were like, ah, oh, but what if it's still too obtuse? What it, it, to me, it smacked of, they did not have faith in their audience, yeah, you know, I agree. like to where they're like, we, we, we have to like, make sure that you, you, you've got this right. It's like, yeah, I got it. Just, just trust me a little bit. You're clear. <laughs> you're clearly going to trust me enough with this bananas, insane plot <laughs> that I'm going to apparently have to follow. So you believed in Santa for 10 years. Can you believe in yourself for 10 freaking minutes? You know, <laughs> So I feel like uh, I want to I want to give you a throwaway comment, and then I want to get on to the meat of what I cared about with the visuals. Uh, my throwaway comment is: I literally have in my notes, "Oh hey George, PS One textures that are muddy, but it makes sense. Are you happy now?" <laughs> because you know, as an N sixty four guy, you know you had lots of bright and colorful games with simple solid colors, and as a PS One guy, I played a lot of games that look like being stabbed in the eyes, and you know, in, in hindsight, <laughs> and. Uh, this game, like, it makes sense. Like, all, there's a lot of, 
you know, dirt and snow and grain and metal and stone. And like, in it just makes sense that you see like all these grainy textures everywhere and where things should be completely solid colors. They are, they don't totally shy away from it, but it's just, I was like, okay, finally a game where the grainy PS one textures are like on brand. Yay. Um, but the thing that I want to, I want to dive into is, um, cinema camera because cinema camera is particularly interesting to me uh, because this is kind of an artifact of the PS1, PS2 era that has not really survived into modern history. Um, and the the Nintendo 64 didn't really do this in my experience, right? There, there's a camera, but it's usually free roaming or completely fixed, right? Where mm-hmm. you have no control over it, but it's fixed in a way that's like you're watching a play. You know, you're looking at it from the side or whatever. Um the camera in Metal Gear Solid is cinematic in the way the camera in Resident Evil is cinematic, where every space has a fixed camera view, and if you don't like it, you can go screw yourself. And that's just, like, those are very intentional design decisions that were made. In Resident Evil, it was usually to build tension. In Metal Gear Solid, it's sometimes to build tension, it's sometimes because I think that's what he thought that shot would look like if that scene was playing out in a movie, which is not always the way that you would want to interact with the world when you're controlling the character. But then there are certain times where I think a really terrible straight top-down camera with no peripheral vision, so you cannot see what the hell you're doing at all, is used to force you to go slowly and to rely on the first person view. Cause you can't move when you're in first person view in this game, like you can in the later ones. So if you know there's bad guys over there somewhere, but you're not exactly sure. Cause you're not quite close enough that they're showing up on the Solaton radar. Then you can hit the first mm-hmm. person and you can, and you can look around and kind of see what's going on. Right. And, and that top down camera is used pretty aggressively there's a lot of cinematic shots but that totally freaking useless top-down camera with no peripheral vision because it's a 4-3 camera right it's not 16 by 9 um is used so much that i think that was their way of forcing you to proceed slowly proceed stealthily and rely on the first person camera like how did you someone who i'm pretty confident has not played a ton of games that use this sort of camera how did you feel about this camera it forced me a little bit more to um rely on the radar on the soliton radar mm-hmm. um <laughs> which uh which which i think was also fine i i did not use the first person view very regularly and it it definitely came back to bite me a number of times <laughs> when i spent way long because I, I would honestly i forget that it was a thing you know um so there were a number of areas where i was like where do i go what do i do and then <laughs> you know I, honestly the first few times i just looked up a walkthrough and i was like well how the hell was i supposed to know that the most stark one was right after you fight vulcan raven Am I, is that right yes Did i do that right yes yeah the guy in the tank yeah qu- you know quick man and light man and vulcan raven and, <laughs> vulcan and raven. armored armadillo <laughs> Vulcan, that's so Raven. Um, but uh, yeah, so right after you fight him, you go into an area where there's a a giant sliding top up and down door that um, is cracked a little and you can crawl underneath it. And you'd never know 
from the top down view, you have to go in the first person view and then you can see that it's cracked open, you know? Or the other way is to have played the game several dozen times and just already know that that's there. You could have done that is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's true. If I had a time machine, like how would that work? Because <laughs> it would always be the first time I had to do it. Nope. But uh, <laughs> time is a flat circle. <laughs> it's 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 a uh, oh, oh what is it called the uh, it's a Jeremy Baramy kind of a thing. You know, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, all that being said, uh, yes. Uh, so so yeah, I definitely um, did not use the first person view as much as I should have, but I did rely a lot on the Soliton radar, which uh, to me also had a similar effect. Where like I was forced to go slowly. And, you know, stealthily. And I mean, and also I think that it's further reinforced with the fact that you can't, if you run and gun, and we can get into this mechanics, when you, if you run and gun in this game, though, you are not long for this world. Nope. Just like the original Metal Gear, they really dissuade you from combat in a variety of ways. Right. Which, and just because I'm afraid I'll forget about it later, <laughs> frustrated me in some of the boss battles because they in those cases specifically can dissuade you from being sneaky, stealthy or doing anything like that. Like when you're fighting a freaking tank, you know, like I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, well I'm going to like duck behind here and then do this and then do it. Nope. You just got to like run out into the open and hurl grenades at them until it, until they expire, you know? So like that was a, a kind of a dip off of the norm, but to be fair, the boss fights are not the norm. Normally it's the rest of the game. It's like, you know, 10% boss fights, 20% game, like 70% cutscene, right? So it's not the main thing that you're doing. You know? Well, and and so they actually, in a thematic way, slightly less in a mechanical way, but in a thematic way, they actually address this in the, in the next game, in Metal Gear Solid 2 and on, where you mm -hmm. can defeat every single boss in the game without taking their life. You can either stun them or you can, you know, get them to trip and fall and knock themselves out or whatever ridiculous gimmick it is. But this is the last game where taking a human life is required by the game. And mm. in later games, they actually base all of like the new game plus rewards and stuff on like, could you go through killing like less than 10 people? What about less than five people? What about zero people? Bosses included. Um, and, and, and I think... I don't think this was actually an accident. I think taking the violence out was like political commentary. I don't think it was a design choice so much because the design choice of the bombastic, and I can tie this to visuals, of the bombastic boss fights <laughs> is like you're sneaking around and everything's like kind of tight and claustrophobic. And then all of a sudden you're between a mountain range and there's a tank. Holy shit. And then it's like, okay, now you're you're sneaking around. And then, oh my God, that guy has telekinetic powers and he's throwing armchairs at me. Like there's a lot of these, in, all the boss fights are insane because they all have magic powers basically. And so you, you end up in set pieces. Yeah. They're movie set pieces, right? So like they look different, they play different, they sound different, right? There's all of this stuff that's like dramatically different, but it's a game. So it impacts the gameplay, not just the way it looks or sounds. Yeah, and uh, fun fun side story when I was battling Psychomantis, um, you know, Megan walked in. And she was like, "Is he like flying? Is he like a ghost? <laughs> like what's what's going on there?" I'm like, "No, he's 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 telepathic and telekinetic." And she said, "Oh, I didn't know there was magic in this universe." <laughs> and <laughs> 
and I was like, well, you're not wrong, you know, like it's, it's, you know, it's, I was like, it's science magic, but it's still magic. But yeah, I mean, like you said, like the bosses are effectively magic. Um, yeah. So uh, one other thing that I just kind of want to do, there's, there's tons of stuff. I mean, this game is a very visual game, uh, but just one other thing that um, I wanted to, to touch on was um, I felt that they did a good job just like, and this is high praise, potentially undeserved praise um but in 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 similar vein to like mario right i noticed some areas where they definitely reused some uh animations and textures Mm. uh that i thought was like obviously to save space but very welcome because like for example smoke in the like uh, i guess a better way to say it would be like you know uh, smoke whatever right is it's smoke condensed air anything that is like that it's all the same texture and effect right oh, it's just yes. how much yeah. of it is there you know so like one of the things i noticed at the beginning was like when you know snake is walking around outside you see his breath you know mm. and i'm like that's amazing because i remember when skyrim did that and i lost my collective <laughs> you know like but now in this game you know like here it is like what 20 years earlier 10 years earlier? I don't know. I don't know. When did Skyrim come out? Closer to 20. Yeah. So all of these years later, right? You know, like or all these years before, they were already doing it. And I was like, that's really impressive. But then when Snake gets electrocuted to not life, death. I, yeah. near death, I don't know. I Dude, I was pretty hard on hammering that circle. So I, I never even came close to death. I retained my strength. Yes, sir. No, dude, I survived the crap out of the torture. But you get the better New Game Plus item if you submit. So it's kind of like you, you get the moral mm. victory if you win the torture, but you kind of get like the gaming victory <laughs> if you submit. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, so, so after like you're electrocuted and you're like, Ugh, and like, smoke billows off of you i noticed i'm like that's the exact same smoke that we had from before so i thought that and then you know there were a couple of other places where they did similar things but where i was like that's that's clever and smart where they you know like okay well we can't you know have a million different animations but we want all of these different animations so where can we save space conserve and i thought that was clever yeah and i i i want to because i the first thing out of my mouth was crapping on the doll's eyes um but actually i'm i'm with you that i I'm surprised how well I think these graphics held up overall. Like mm-hmm. it, there were things that I was like, yeah, the fact that their mouths don't move and they just kind of like bobble their heads, like it's dated, but it still looks fine. Like you still know exactly yeah. what's going on. Like it's very, very seldom that you're like, what is that? What is that supposed to be? And because of the way they chose to do the hyper cinematic camera and you have first person view as an option, like if you need to look at something, you know, up close you you can do that so if you're like what is this like how do i get under there can i crawl over that like you you can break out of the cinematic view and use the first person so that's their concession basically um and the later games do the same thing even the ones that have a free roaming like modern style 360 camera there are still times where you're like yeah but the camera's 20 feet in the air i need to see this thing that's like a foot and a half away from me okay i'll like go into the first person view so I like the graphics a lot overall. Um, I did. I can't believe I didn't remember this when we were actually talking about it, but this will be my last comment on visuals is, uh, and I don't think this happens in the part of the game that you played up through. So um, later in the game, there are a handful of times during cutscenes where the footage that's playing on the screen is actual footage, like real nuclear. Yes. Yeah. So like the real nuclear missile tests and like real, mm-hmm. you see there's some animals, there's like shots of animals that are for story reasons, but 
that to me is the equivalent of going from hoof hands cloud to pointy nose cloud, right? Going from a game that looks good and everything is fine to like actual footage of actual human beings. I'm kind of like, Oh, right. There's, there's (laughs) like, there's movies like spliced into this game. That's basically playing a movie. Like that's, I wish he hadn't done that. And he does that in all of his games. Like once he got that ability, he just decided it was great. And like, he just basically, (laughs) he doesn't do it a ton, but it's just every time I'm just like, why? Like, especially in the later games where the the Fox engine is gorgeous. It's like, just render it in the game engine. You spent millions of dollars to build. Yep. And instead they decided to fight zombies with it, right? Zombies. Anyway, um, audio. Yeah. Uh, audio this game this game had audio um uh, one of the things that you know obviously just top of the hour we have to talk about with audio is you know the iconic you know like that the alert noise definitely had the uh you know the alert noise the alert noise was very good very clean uh made me immediately aware that things had gone wrong it then immediately changed the uh music to the same music it is always the same music when you are spotted which is again really consistent um it's consistent thematically like in the sense that like it the, the music tone and tempo is consistent with what is going on it's not like some rock ballad or something like that you know um it's not playing screaming we are the champions while you're running around desperately trying to find cover that would that'd be weird uh and and yeah so so basically when it is the most important that you be on high alert and be aware that everything has that you you have now landed yourself cleanly on the failure spectrum (laughs) that uh you know, not only is there the visual of your SOCOM being generated, whatever, whatever, the Soltan radar. Soltan radar. SOCOM's the gun. <laughs> um, but uh, not only is your uh, Soltan radar jammed, like, it, so anyway, so so the audio and visuals, but particularly the audio, really come together when you're spotted and on the failure spectrum, and I thought that was great. I, uh, yeah, I mean, the it's probably frustrating for a lot of people that you lose the radar when you're on alert because you would like to know where enemies are coming from so that they don't murder you. But I think it adds to the tenseness of the situation where it's like, I, I kind of like to imagine it as like, maybe I could see the radar. I just, th- now's not the time to be checking it. Right. right. Yeah. You're not, you're not looking yeah. because you're, you're running away from a, problem. which I mean, it, it does, it, it says alert in giant letters and it's flashing red. So it's like that, that kind of fits thematically because there's a different visual for when the radar is jammed. Right. And and so the fact that they bothered to make it look visually different, but then it's like, there's the tense music. Um, I don't know how many times you like crawled into a vent or something to hide, but when it goes into the first person mode while you're hiding, if you listen carefully, you can hear snakes heart racing. Right. So they, they really Mm. play up like, this is like you're gonna die like if they catch you they're going to kill you you're you're trying to sneak into their base right so there's a lot of audio to take what is already visually stressful but not really as dramatic because like the the gunfire in this game is not super dramatic um I think most of the tension really comes from the sound and the music, like super tense music, the heart pounding, you know, they're like the, the guards get onto the radio and they're like, there is. And like, they come chasing you down and, and like, you can hear them running if they run on a surface that generates noise, just like when you run on a surface that generates noise, it makes noise. Like there's, 
there's almost more scariness and tension and stuff coming from the audio than there is from the visuals, which I never really thought about it that way, but that's surprising to me. Like you don't feel like, Oh God, there's guys everywhere. They're bearing down on me. You feel like the world is closing in on you. And that's more of a trick Mm -hmm. of good audio than it is a trick of visuals typically, or at least certainly in this game. Yes. Agreed. And I think that, you know, the fact that, you know, there's like a, I think cause I may be remembering this wrong, but there's like a small, like almost like alarm noise kind of going off, like while all the music is playing and like, yeah, it's, a, like it's a, a super generic, like, yeah, but it's an alarm. So I mean, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. All of that stresses you out to the point where like, and the fact that you, you're not thinking strategically anymore, you were definitely thinking tactically. You were thinking like moment to moment, right? Like what is, what is the best thing I can do? And like, literally, you know, like, I, I was running around panic as, you know, guy found me. So I was like, run, run, run. And then I like, turned a corner and there's another guy. He's like, there he is. I just clothesline that guy. It's like, you know, I keep, keep running. And I like jumped back into the water and then walked around at the bottom of it because of course, you know, you're walking and whatever, but uh, yeah, you know, like, so, all of that like was an amazing interesting and improvisational experience that you know if they didn't like suddenly put you personally in this heightened state um i don't think that you would have would have gotten that so yeah. and and i i feel like that this is something hideo kojima does really well and i, I think his his camera work is interesting it's not always good but I think it's always interesting. I do think the audio and the sound design and the the musical cues, I think those are always good. I cannot think of a single place in the game where I'm like, oh, that sounded weird or that this music is dumb. I don't really, it doesn't fit right. Like you may not like it, but it's, it's quality and its appropriateness is pretty indisputable, right? There's a lot of use of, uh, like chorus and choir, right. To create this kind of sense of loneliness and, and to create this sense of tension, uh, they use, you know, like the guys talking on the radio and like shouting cause you don't hear a lot of talking outside of cutscenes and outside of the codec. Like people aren't guards, aren't just like chatting it up and you don't just hear like people in the break room, like hanging out. Right. So when you hear, you know, there he is and you're in full control, like that's that creates that huge sense of tension because it's it's different than what's normally happening, which is the world is like mostly quiet. All the music is like fairly kind of quiet. Like there is a melody, but it's like a lot of low, uh, quiet singing, right? So you can hear the sound effects, right? Hey, it's a game with footstep noises where that actually matters and is like relevant to the experience. But it's that there's there's just good music throughout and. Uh, right before the Psycho Mantis fight, because Hideo Kojima needs to make sure this far into the game, you have been appreciating the good music he has <laughs> in the game. When you come out of the women's room with Meryl, and for anyone who hasn't played the game, th- that is literally what happens. You you exit the women's room, the women's bathroom, and you decide you're going to go kill a telepath. And so <laughs> you actually don't know he's in there at the time. But then, so you, you, you come out of the bathroom and Meryl's like, what's wrong snake? And he goes, what happened to the music? And then as a player, you're just like, huh? And then like, you kind of slowly and uncomfortably like proceed down the hallway. Cause all the other sound effects are still there. So it's, you're on a marble floor. It's making noise from you walking and from Meryl jogging ahead of you. But you're like, what did happen to the music? 
where is the music? Yeah. yeah. And then when you get into the Psychomantis fight, this is another place where they uh, use sound and visuals in a way that totally breaks the fourth wall to screw with you. So during that fight, if you enter first person mode, you see through Psychomantis's eyes to so and it helps you pinpoint him in the room because he can turn invisible because of course he can. Um, and I don't think he uses stealth camouflage. I think he can actually just make himself invisible. But he uh, he like floats. Can't hide his body heat though. That's right. So. He, he, you have multiple ways to solve that problem, right? Which we'll get to in mechanics, multiple ways to address problems, but like you can use the thermal goggles. You can use the the first person camera. You can just spin around in a circle when you have unlimited ammo and just fire in all directions constantly. Um, but when you go into the first person view, uh, it's all green cause he's wearing a mask, but more importantly, he's wearing a gas mask and you can hear this ragged, like nervous, like tense breathing cause he's in a fight but it's also ragged in a way that makes him sound like really unhealthy. And like you just, you in, in this, you know, half a second or second or two of audio that you get when you pop into the, uh, the first person camera, you hear it in a much louder way. Cause when he talks and it makes the, you know, like while he's talking, it's just like, Oh, well yeah, he's wearing a gas mask. But when you go into the first person view, it's super loud because you're hearing it in his head, right? Like the way he would hear it. And it's just little attention to detail like that throughout the entire game, right? Little sound touches that are just so, so, so well thought out, right? Different surfaces make different noises because some of them are loud enough to be heard. Some aren't, right? Like the, you could just go on and on and on. They obviously spent ages and ages on every little sound effect that everything would make, whether it directly impacts the gameplay or it just impacts your kind of experience as the player. And to be entirely honest, as usual, my, my notes for audio are, are pretty light. Um, I do have a tremendous number of notes for uh, gameplay and story and all that good stuff. So um, I don't know if what else you have for, for audio, but but uh, I, I want to I want I want to get to, <laughs> to the meat of my notes, which is, uh, uh, you know, game gameplay. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll I'll wrap it up by saying that uh, I have um, I have a website like most people. But I tend to actually post things there. And I literally, after I played this game again, because I played it twice for this playthrough, because I was like, oh, I want to play through it with all the cool, like, New Game Plus stuff you get just so I can, like, run around and be Rambo, but also be invisible and screw with people. Um, (laughs) It's super fun. Totally changes everything. Um, But I played this game a lot with headphones on because I knew the music was very like quiet and subtle. And I was like, no, I like this music. I want to be able to hear it. And I don't want to bother my kids while I'm gaming. So I, I played this game with headphones on and I literally in my to-do list have a, an item that says write blog post recommending people play their video games with headphones on because <laughs> not every game has as much uh, love for the sound design. Not every game has as much need, right? If it's not a stealth game, you you might not need the sound in the same kind of way. I think we've talked about plenty of games where we're like, yeah, you could basically play this game on mute. Who gives a crap? But for anything made from the N64 PS1 era up through the modern day, I think it's probably worth trying to play that game either in a giant, you know, Dolby 7.1 surround sound studio, if that's what your house is like, or just buy a pair of like mediocre headphones and and wear them when you play video games because oh my god like there is an entire layer of experience that I think 
most people are missing. Even if they have troglodyte ideas like you do, if you played this game, hey, <laughs> hey. I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> that's my word. You've got no right using it. That's that's fair. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm still I'm still learning. Um, you are sorry. No, it's fine. But, but you know, even for someone who who doesn't tend to be consciously aware of those things, you would definitely be experiencing them, right? If if you yes. had headphones on when you played this, every time the sound of your footsteps changed, you would subconsciously be aware of it. When the the music was building to a crescendo or was, you know, ducking down because the characters are like about to have a, a soft whispery conversation, like you would be aware of all of that. Even if you couldn't then explain to someone else like, "Oh, did you hear that? The music just ducked down because the characters are speaking a lot softer." And they didn't want that loud music drowning out what they were saying, right? But you would you would feel it. And I really think well, I'm gonna start going out of my way to play games from this era and forward with headphones on because they had CD quality audio. So like I wanna hear it. I wanna hear the sound design. Yeah. Well, and also too, I think that one of the things, especially with for me with good sound design is that you don't necessarily notice its presence, you notice its absence. You know, so like yeah, I, I definitely have my troglodyte ears. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I like, you know, like you said, like different, different surfaces making different sounds, right? You don't necessarily notice that it's doing that, but you would absolutely notice if everything made the walking on gravel sound. Yes. You know, because then the minute <laughs> that you walked on metal and it sounded like you were walking on gravel, you'd be like, something sounds, this sounds weird. You know, and then the problem is right when your ear hears something like that, your brain isn't focused where it needs to be focused anymore. It is trying to hunt down that issue, you know, where it's like something, something's wrong. What's going on? Why does this feel weird? Why, why, you know, like, and your brain's now like pulled out of the moment. So just like with, uh, uh, you know, one of the things I noticed when I did, um, in a very, very poor fashion, (laughs) some pixel art where it's like, if one pixel is out of place, it looks awful i i think the sound design is is kind of the same way when and this this game clearly had very very well crafted sound design because not only were there some things where i was like oh this is this is really well done there was no point where i was just kind of like oh man i was taken completely out of this because of a poor sound design um the plot did that for me so (laughs) well here here this will actually uh here's my segue for you um okay you said you died a lot right so uh-huh. Like you do, this game is actually super generous with checkpoints. I also die a lot playing this. It is. Um, but you heard the, you know, snake, 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 right? Like a million times. But yeah. there's like a thousand variations of that. Sometimes it's Mei Ling. Sometimes it's Meryl. Sometimes it's Campbell. And there's a few secret ones that you can only hear at certain parts of the game. So like when you're fighting Revolver Ocelot, if you suck and you keep accidentally killing the DARPA or the, the arms tech president, um, Mm-hmm. Instead of snake, 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 Revolver Ocelot says something like, you idiot, <laughs> and just like totally yep. shuts you down. But you can only yep. get that you died sound because visually it's identical. You can only get that you died sound during that boss fight. And there's a, a few other places in the game where you can get that. So I like that they hid some of that You know, throughout. There's a bunch of codec conversations that are hidden throughout, right? Because the codec conversations are... There is a visual component to it, but it's mostly just two people talking, so it's mostly just the audio. And the 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 voice acting in this game is divisive. I actually think it's fine, but it is very hammy. It's like super hammy, mm-hmm. right? And 
Um, I can imagine uh, playing a game where you were dying constantly and having to hear characters explain the same things over and over a million times. And it's like, yes, okay. Regardless of how you feel about this voice acting, I don't want to hear it again. <sighs> yep. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So, so for gameplay, um, the, the, the first thing that, um, when, when do you want to, when do you want to talk about the plot? You want, I mean, all, all, the, all there is is the plot, right? It's like, uh, is that like all, all there is, is the medium when you're talking about art. <laughs> yes. Well, more specifically, the, um, the, the issues with how well the plot has aged. Oh yeah. Not, not good. I mean, <laughs> The political message of like nuclear weapons are bad and the, yes. the government I is mean, two-faced like that unfortunately has actually held up startlingly well and doesn't seem to be <laughs> like it's going to be going away anytime soon but well I mean that's like saying like the death and taxes are still going to be around like you know <laughs> yeah like, that, was, that, that was a relatively safe bet not like I'm going to have specu- I'm going to make a speculative currency investment in deep onion coins like yeah. I mean, and nothing about what I just said was made up. That is something that you could do. Yep. But I mean, like like a lot of um, <laughs> Japanese um, artists of any kind, right? Painters, writers, poets, potters, right? And a lot of Japanese art is about nuclear weapons are bad for, I think, pretty damn obvious reasons, right? But like... Yep. And damn good reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but the... Uh, the Metal Gear Solid universe in general... Actually, the whole Metal Gear universe, going all the way back to the original games, they... Uh, they spend a fair amount of time trying to remind you that like nuclear weapons are real. Like that's not science fiction and they're bad and you should like care about that. Right. And, and not, I don't think in a super ham fisted way, but like that is a, a, a thread of continuity, I guess. Like it's a through line through this entire universe. Um, even when the plot isn't directly about it, they always kind of remind you like, yeah, the, the sci-fi super tank, the thing that makes it scary is that it has nuclear missiles. It's not that it's a sci-fi super tank. It's that it's a sci-fi super tank that has nuclear missiles, right? So that stuff, I think, is held up well. Um, There's other parts, though. Yeah, there's definitely other parts, though, that that super don't. Um, The the incredibly, I guess, I I know there's probably a word for it, but the He-Man, you know, like 80s era action hero, yeah, the, male the, the Rambo power Schwarzenegger. Fantasy. Yeah, male power fantasy. That I didn't. And to be fair, like I don't, I don't, I, re, I remember very fondly movies like you know, Alien, uh, you know, uh, Predator, you know, or Terminator, or um, you know, even like Lethal Weapon, like stuff like that. You know, like I remember all those very fondly. I haven't gone back and watched Lethal Weapon for other Mel Gibson related <laughs> reasons. <laughs> but, Mel Gibson has not <laughs> aged well. <laughs> it's not that his movies haven't no. aged well. It's that he has not held up. And I don't mean he just yeah. got older. Nope. Nope. Although the, the, the scenes where he gets tortured are more enjoyable, I guess now, but anyways, that's <laughs> not the point. But, but, you know, so, so all, so, but I didn't realize how, um, disjointed and how, um, how wrong that like hits me now, you know, because like, there's just, you know, when, when it was like, 
I mean, he's like, oh yeah, I'm I'm Solid Snake. And then you know, I think the doc, like he hits on the doctor. He, he hits on like, Mei Ling and Naomi in the same conversation, same, and exactly, and they can hear each other. Like they can hear him right. talking to both of them. Yeah, and so like to me, I was just kind of like, this is a work related conversation. First of all, right. Secondly, it's it's in the middle of like, you know, a lot of stuff going on. They need to be relaying critical information, but there's taking time outside for him to hit on them. And they are super receptive towards that. Basically, he says like, yeah, when I get back, I'm going to have sex with both of you. And like, oh, if only we'd be so lucky. And I was like, oh, God, all of this feels kind of gross. Yeah, wait, so, and, and, and then, I, I want to be fair to me. This is writing, not plot, because him being an awkward 14-year-old because he was essentially written as an awkward 14-year-old that's not the the plot isn't that he's a creep that's that's just bad writing the plot is like the nuclear walking death tank and clones <laughs> and all that stuff right so like and i agree with you like we should absolutely talk about the writing in this game but to me this is the writing not the plot and that's that that's a very fair point the plot the overarching plot is bananas you know bananas but but interesting yeah the writing is just exhausting and and i think that that's a very fair point because you know i enjoyed the plot and every time the writing got in the way of it (laughs) i got really irritated because i was like can i have can i have my my nice ice cream sundae without you throwing anchovies into it every so often like it's it's frustrating to me it all kind of came to, to head with this one line and i Please tell me I, I might have heard this wrong because I literally heard it once. I'm like, I'm not I'm not going back to hear this again. <laughs> but like basically the the uh Meryl, right? She and first of all, she's freezered, like, you know, like halfway through the the whole thing. But again, putting that aside, right? When she says like, you know, she because she immediately starts hitting on him too, because of course, you know, she does, yeah. right? But when she says like something, 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 I smuggled something into the base. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Women have more and hiding then, places than men. Yes. Yeah. I heard that and I was like, you've why 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 though? Like why why was that necessary? Like it's just that was so so frustrating and consistently pulled me out of the 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 narrative. And then the one other thing I have for writing, more specifically for this one, it wasn't plot, it was pacing. Um I thought that the pacing was a little odd in some places where like they had certain emotional beats that I felt were disjointed or too close together. You know, for example, um, the psycho mantis's death scene, I thought was really kind of interesting and uh, fleshed him out as a character, you know, where he's not just kind of like some like wild psychopath. And he actually reminded me a lot of Kilgrave from Jessica Jones, you know, oh, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, we're like he was like kind of gifted with these psychic powers at a very young age, and that obviously warped him because if you immediately have contact with everybody's deepest, darkest thoughts at a young age, you're like yeah, it's gonna it's gonna screw you up, right? So I thought all that was interesting, and how like he like kind of like saw himself in Snake, which kind of like you know it's like ooh warning sign, like oh it was very complex, very interesting, very good death scene, and then right after that, Meryl effectively has a death scene. I know she doesn't die, but she does effectively have a you know, a Loki esque death scene. <laughs> they have all they, they they hit all the emotional beats, but you know she's not actually dead, right? Yeah. So um, I think I think that should just be called Lokiing now, you know. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so 
those two things happen within minutes of each other, right? And so that to me is I was just kind of like when I when I sat there, I was like, I don't really care. Like I felt tired when I was like watching Meryl's scene. I was like, why? It's like because it's coming, it's that same emotional beat twice in a row. And that's not that's not great pacing, you know? Yeah. Like they needed more things to happen before they freezered Meryl. Well, and, and I can make that scene even worse for you because she's like, you know, Snake, I just want to do you know, anything I can to help you because apparently that's my entire reason for existing. Well, yep. if you survive the torture, uh, Meryl is the one that is in the end game scene with you. And if you submit to mm-hmm. the torture, they kill her and Otacon is in the end game scene with you. If Meryl mm-hmm. is with you uh, and you, like when you first wake her up, cause she's like kind of unconscious sort of when you like wake her up, she says, the thing that kept her going, how she would uh. survive through, and I'm doing a direct quote here, torture and worse, which means she was raped because there is no way that means anything else, right? The way she survived torture and worse is because she held on to the thought of seeing Solid Snake again. Someone she has only known for a few hours at this point. And and here's the thing. So uh, I, I don't remember if I've mentioned these on air or not yet, but there's this series of books from a publisher called Boss Fight. And uh, like they, they wrote one about Shovel Knight. So like right after we played Shovel Knight, I read that book. And then uh, they wrote one about Katamari Damashi. So like I was playing Katamari Damashi with Susan. So I read that book. And they have one about Metal Gear Solid. And so after I, I read the book, right? And the entire book is basically about how poorly this has aged. And to be fair, it's not like people didn't know this stuff was like hackneyed and sleazy in 1998. This isn't from 1948. It's from 1998, right? right? We knew this was not a good way to treat women characters in our stories. We knew this was not a good way to portray male characters in our stories. Like the, People were aware enough of, you know, that those sorts of things in 1998 that this is bad writing. It was bad writing then, and it has aged really, really, really poorly into the era of, like, Me Too and Donald Trump being president and all the other sexist horribleness that's happening. All of that being said, and I'm not trying to excuse any of it, but I do think there's a tiny bit of um, awareness that... Uh, Hideo Kojima had because in the later games there are fewer and fewer people who are willing to tolerate the way Snake acts and so that doesn't help this game be any less sexist and ridiculous and you know freezer female characters and totally make them you know one-dimensional stereotypes that all happens there's no way to undo that but when he had a way to continue the story, he didn't continue it in that exact same way, which shows not just growth for literally the characters in his universe, but growth for him as a writer. Hopefully it means he surrounded himself with people who are like, yeah, don't make them say that. That's incredibly stupid. No human being would ever say that or should ever say that, right? Like, so th- there's there's some progression yeah. there, but unfortunately that doesn't do anything for the original game because that's all hindsight. Right. And I mean, and, and you know, I mean, like, it is quite possible and hopefully that, you know, like he did because you just grew as a person. And, you know, he was like, you know, when he was young and, you know, like it was the 80s or 90s and he was like, oh, man, you know, I'm going to create like this amazing like ode to the 80s and all sorts of stuff, you know, 
and like did that and then like later on you know five years later he's like yeah that that's not the way to go and like while i still you know think highly of a bunch of the stuff this game did this is some stuff that i've decided to move away from because i've realized that this is not a good thing so you know i mean like like all of that it it, this the 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 fact that this does all of these things does not make the series irredeemable it does not make the people that made them irredeemable it does not do great things for this particular game yeah and so my personal feeling is that this this thing we're talking about the writing more than the the Saturday morning cartoon uh, voice acting, more than the shooter controls that have not aged at all tolerably, right? More than some of the other decisions that were like fine at the time, but are now hard if you compare them to modern games. This is actually the thing that makes me pause when I would recommend this game to someone. Because I'm like... <laughs> is this person going to be okay with all this, right? Because I, I, if I'm being perfectly honest, having grown up with this game and this series, I didn't really think about it that much, right? Because I was a kid when right. I was exposed to this stuff. And so I didn't necessarily think it was like good or that I would want to emulate it, but it, it doesn't bother me in the same way, right? Like when, whenever you hear someone explain away their racist grandmother, cause they're like, Oh, it was a different time. And it's like, no, it's just because it's your grandmother. Like, like right. you you wouldn't tolerate this from anyone else it's just because it's your grandmother right it's just because i played this when i was a kid that i'm like no it, you know it's it's fine but then when i think about like would i recommend this to somebody and i know we'll get there but like this is the thing that gives me pause not any of the stuff that makes it a video game it's the 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 80s-esque you know male power fantasy stuff that i'm like uh and and people that I have recommended this to, men and women, you know, old and young, high games literacy and low games literacy, I have consistently heard people say back like, wow, there's like a lot of childish sexism in the writing. <laughs> like, is this how this person thinks men and women interact? This is weird. This is this is weird. It's like George George Lucas with like it's like is this is this what he thinks love is? Yeah, yes, um, it's exactly I, like it's, that. It's exactly yeah. like the way people talked about the love scenes in the prequels. It's like no, this isn't. What That's is not. wrong with you? So on a on and so then this doesn't really tie us into gameplay very well. But this is one last thing about the writing plot and all sorts of stuff. But on a lighter note, that will ease us in <laughs> is. Okay, so so they're they're on like this this you know base that makes the Metal Gear right and has the warheads and all this sort of stuff, and then the terrorists came in and took the base over. Mm-hmm. Yes, right? it was already yeah. a military facility of a kind, right? But specifically, like a military manufacturing facility. Yes, it looks. Yes, like. yeah. yeah. Well, it was Why it, it was would... a it was the front was that it was a uh, nuclear warhead disposal site, which is really what it was for. So there's metal gear is there, but then there's also all of the things they need to make metal gear threatening, right? It's like they, they started building a gun at an ammunition factory. (laughs) Right. They, they started fermenting tequila at an alcohol anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) That one's somehow worse. (laughs) Um, all that being said, why then was there a torture facility already on the base? Okay, so not only <laughs> not only is that super weird, but when Snake uses that as the only identifiable landmark, he said because he doesn't know where he is because he was knocked unconscious. 
and he's trying mm-hmm. to get Otacon to come and help him, and he says, there's a big torture machine nearby. And, right? and Otacon yeah, totally to casually is like, yeah, I know where that is. <laughs> yes. That's what cued me into it, because I was just like, wait, that's right. He, wait, so no, so that exists. He's like, oh, yeah, I know where the torture room yeah, is. Yeah, yeah that, that was there before the terrorists. <laughs> and I mean, I guess because it was a military base, they had the facilities that a military would use to torture people without the oversight of the Geneva Convention. But, I mean, yeah, maybe. But, I mean, like, I mean, even water like like waterboarding is is you know like that's torture right and 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 that requires very very few supplies in order to accomplish that feat this was like a torture room this was a, a an honest to god well-funded well thought out well-engineered torture chamber yes. you know like and and so it's just <laughs> and and one that, that even somebody who didn't have a high enough clearance to know what they were building the freaking metal gear for he was like no they're using it for nuclear weapons oh my stars and garters why in the world would they ever do that but the torture room yeah sure that's well that's down the hall and to the left obviously i guess i really probably should have puzzled out that they weren't being altruistic with this particular project <laughs> so, anyways but uh but yeah so that's my other note for for plot which was they have a torture room like why does that even exist because everybody else is like military and paramilitary and like military adjacent, if they just didn't have Otacon, who's like a pseudo civilian, casually be like, "Oh, not not the pool table. You mean the torture table yeah. that electrocutes people, which is just the most prominent feature in the over large torture room that we have for some reason." Yes. Like, that casual <laughs> reference is what really breaks that moment. Like it, yes. everybody oh, else, right? The 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 guerrilla terrorists and and snake, you know the 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 super spy, like them talking about the torture rooms somehow seems pretty normal. But man, Otacon then just comes in and is like, "Hey guys, you're talking about the torture room on the third floor, or the fourth floor, because we actually have two now, right?" Like <laughs> that's what's super <laughs> up about it. Yeah, do you, do you mean the torture floor, or the nice torture floor? Because because we've got more than one, and there's the good one, and then there's a the bad one. You know, like it's not bad. I mean, they're both torture floors, obviously, but like one of them has a jacuzzi in the side, so you can torture people whilst getting the getting a nice little rub a dub dub in the tub. What's getting your jam on? So actually, um, that brings me to the the most important thing I wanted to talk about because I knew there was no way we weren't going to talk about the writing and the plot and stuff. So I was like, I'll leave that to George. I wanted to make sure we spent some time on Hideo Kojima's just total, total disregard for the fourth wall. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. just break it to be cheeky. There are funny parts where he breaks the fourth wall. There are, um, you know, kind of gamey parts where like the characters with no wink or nod or nudge, nudge to the audience refer to like the action button. Right. And like press the shoulder mm-hmm. button to open your menu, right? Like they just, that's just normal. The start button. Yes. The start button. Yeah. There's just totally, totally normal dialogue that talks about the player. And then there's some, some parts that I think the way he breaks the fourth wall are like, because he was super excited about the technology, like the rumble pack and the PlayStation. But, but I appreciate them anyway, because they're just so Metal Gear Solid. They're so Hideo Kojima. Like, this is just 
part of this universe that it's sort of like a love it or hate it kind of thing. So uh, when you survive on brand, say what they're on, they're totally on brand. When you survive the torture, uh, Naomi uh, has injected you with nanomachines and she tells you because you've just like pressed the button a million times and your arm hurts. She tells you, I will activate the nanomachines to like massage your muscles place the controller against your bicep and then th- it makes the controller vibrate. Like, like Psychomantis has you put the controller on the ground and he makes it vibrate. He tells you uh, that there's um, save files from other Konami games on your memory card. If you have like Castlevania or Pac-Man or like other, other Konami games on there. Um, my favorite one though is uh, actually not in this game, right? So mm. in this game, you fight a sniper called sniper wolf you actually fight her twice that's when meryl gets her pseudo death scene right in the third game which is a prequel to this game uh you also fight a sniper who is an old man and his magical power is that he can lay in the jungle for so long that he has developed a kind of mild photosynthesis where that like mm-hmm. that's how he can stay so still for so long yeah that's the thing that can happen uh-huh so if you, yeah. and I swear to God, I'm not making this up. If you get to that boss fight and start the boss fight and then save, close the game, go into the settings menu and advance the clock. I think it's two weeks. Like so that now the date on the clock and mm-hmm. the PlayStation 2 is two weeks in the future. And then you load your save file. You instantly win the boss fight because he has died of old age. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. So the fourth wall breaking, I'm, uh, th- there's that. And there's one other thing I want to make absolutely sure that we hit on. So the fourth wall breaking, I, I, I really did spend some time thinking on this because I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that being said, I knew I knew I couldn't I knew I couldn't come in and into this conversation with like, I didn't like it. Go to hell. <laughs> um, so the reason why is because and, and this will link into the to the other thing I want to talk about, but th- this game, one of the core aesthetics is clearly fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. You are the solid snake, right? You're the, the, you know, like all that, all the stuff, all the things that go along with that. Right. So to me, calling attention to you, the player is antithetical to that core aesthetic, right? So if it's, you know, if the course that like is challenge or whatever, or any of the other ones, right, then, you know, saying like, oh, and you're also a player playing the game can can be, you know, it's not antithetical to that, but be like, like, I am the solid snake. And they say, like, no, you're actually just a kid playing a game like that. That's jarring, which can still work if one of the themes was your sanity. <laughs> right if they played more no like 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 seriously like like if you if you the player like um you know like they did in uh i think it was resident evil i forget which one with the pyramid head right uh that's uh, like he's like S- a representation silent hill silent hill right um where um where you know, like he's like a representation of like your inner demons you know like that kind of stuff where if they're if they're dealing with like the themes of madness or anything like that that would suddenly t- so for me to be like yeah i'm solid snake and like wait no is the game talking to me George or me, solid state. What's what's going on? And to like play on that, then I feel like that it would be, it would be appropriate. But here is that I I went from feeling like a, um, a you know like a, a solid you know like a, a a a class A super soldier right into being 
back to being myself, which is none of those things. A class B and that was super very... soldier. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, so maybe it was probably less jarring for you because you actually are a super soldier. But that being said, <laughs> so so that that was jarring for me. And so it was kind of like somebody saying, you know, like, like, think fast and then hit me in the chest. Right. And that's acceptable in a kung fu studio where you're trying to hone your reflexes and your overall situational awareness. It makes you a dick if you're doing it while you're during the, like the Super Bowl party. Right. <laughs> or uh, or w- when did I do that to you? Right, just punch like, me the a bunch five. of times. No, but I specifically remember at one point where I just came up, posted up for a high five, and so you posted up for a high five. I was like, <gasps> betrayal five, and I just like <laughs> slammed you in the chest for no reason. I mean, um, that, as you say, is on brand. So, <laughs> yes, but that that like so so that being said, I can definitely see now that you've been playing Metal Gear for as long as you have, it is it is cons- a consistent theme within the brand you know so like you're you're used to it and so now when it happens it's kind of like oh hey, like it's this monty python thing that monty python always does you know yeah but and that, that's why i think in this particular game it kind of yeah that that's why i think the difference is notable because for you to say you don't like it like that is fine right because it's a taste right it's not objectively good or objectively bad it is absolutely a taste the reason i don't personally consider it immersion breaking is because once you know a little bit about the metal gear universe you are showing up not for a stealth game you are showing up for metal gear right it's like you don't go to disney world because you're like oh you know like i like carnivals it's like no you go to disney world for disney world if you just like rides you would go to a carnival or you would go to like a six flags or something but like whether or not a person likes Disney World, you don't go to Disney World just because it's part of a class of theme park. I don't think anyone should go to the Metal Gear Solid universe because it's part of a class of sneaking games. It is its own specific flavor and taste. And I feel like the the total disregard for the fourth wall is an integral part of that because there are actually times where none of the Metal Gear Solid games are trying to be scary but there's a lot of tension there's a lot of like fear of the unknown because all of the enemies seem to have magical superpowers but you don't have magical superpowers wait do they have magical superpowers or is it nano machines and like so there is a lot of i guess tension's the best word but it, it's it's like just a step below like a terror of the unknown right like a fear of the uncanny it's like and and Snake is constantly like, what the hell is happening right now? Like he's, <laughs> you kind of identify with him because everybody else in the universe seems to think this is normal. And Snake is like, no, none of this is normal, right? And in, again, in Metal Gear Solid 3, um, there's a, a way that they specifically play on your sanity as the player by breaking the fourth wall because uh, you have to trudge down this river and your the boss fight is like a, he's a ghost there's no other way to say it. you fight a ghost and as you're trudging down the river um all of the spirits of the soldiers you have killed literally on this current playthrough pop up in the river and like mess with you but if because starting with metal gear solid 2 you can play the entire game without taking a single life when you get to that scene if you haven't killed anybody none of that happens 
there are no ghosts. Right. It's not a scene that's written to make you feel a specific way. Like, oh, there's always going to be 20 ghosts and they always pop up at these specific times and they make these specific noises or we randomized it in this way so that it makes them have this feeling. It is literally a a, a mirror, right? It is a reflection of how you, the player, have been conducting the life of Snake in the game, right? And so... Most of the fourth wall breaking is not that. Most of it is tongue in cheek. Most of it is a little wink, nudge, nudge. Most of it is like just Hideo Kojima being like, I wanted to make movies. But but there <laughs> are times where it, it it specifically creates an intentional connection between the actions of the player and the reality of the game universe. And so should he have done more of that or only that? I, I don't know. I like all the wink, wink, nudge, nudge stuff personally, but... Um, he was at least aware that that is one of the options of how you can break the fourth wall, but still draw people in, right? It's like, oh, you're seeing the spirits of all the soldiers you've killed. No, no, no not Snake, you, George, you, the soldiers you, George, yeah. have killed, right? So like that, that I think is is pretty cool, right? And it's not done in a hammy way. Like you would have to play through the game multiple times and be like, oh, it felt like there were a lot more ghosts last time, or it didn't feel like there were this many ghosts last time, right? And then you would start to realize like, oh crap, it's literally the soldiers I've killed. And like that, I'm more, you know, like more prone to like, for example, like in like Undertale, where, you know, if you, you know, kill, spoilers for Undertale, but like, <laughs> If you if you you know kill the first person who you don't have to kill and you're like oh I shouldn't have done that and you like reload your save the flower will say like no that's not how this plays out mm-hmm. you know like I know that you're trying to cheat like that to me is it's it's it what it is is it's um oh what is it called there's a uh, there's choice and consequences mm-hmm. right so it's kind of like it to me it's kind of in that thing where it's it's fine to use consequences right when you don't like where you've made the force the person to make choices that they don't fully understand ramifications but you've got to be doing it for like a very specific reason and in some of these places i felt that like i said like it just for me personally it felt like it was antithetical to the fantasy core aesthetic that being said is you know like that probably would have hit me with this game you know being like oh this is this is a little antithetical but you know when it happened in metal gear solid 2 i would have been like yeah okay cool you know and then like in metal gear solid 3 i've been like yeah i'm used to it now like this is this is a metal gear thing and if it didn't happen in metal gear solid 7 or whichever one they're <laughs> now right if it didn't happen in that one i'd be frustrated by it because i'm like where, where what happened to all the tongue-in-cheek you know stuff like this is something i was on board with now yeah um, the, the the first time when you can tell someone's trying to be like, Hey, you know, this is what Disney world is, right? Like it or not. Just so you're clear, this is what it is. Right. The first time you're like, Oh, I don't, I haven't yet formed feelings about this. And then after some repeated exposures, you're like, Oh, okay. Now I either like it or I don't, but I, I understand the consistency of the universe. But could you imagine living in a universe? I mean, basically what I did to you was I told you how great Disney world was, but you had never seen or heard anything about it from anywhere else. You'd never seen any other marketing. No one else had ever really talked about it. And then I took you to Disney world and left you alone in there and was just like, f- yep. figure out all the parts I didn't explain to you. Enjoy. Right. Like that's essentially what bringing someone into the metal gear solid world is, is like, you it's very specific it's not for everyone a lot of choices are made that are questionable even back then when it was new let alone in hindsight right so to to bring someone into that and just be like hey it's amazing you've got get this. in there champ <laughs> right like i i can 
again, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Like I can totally see now, like the next time I recommend this game to someone or choose not to recommend this game to someone, that's going to be based on different criteria than it was in the past. Cause my, <laughs> my criteria in the past was basically like, I, I, I like it. <laughs> um, the one other thing, and we don't have to really get into it. Uh, that I just wanted to touch on was many, many podcasts ago. Uh, we, cause occasionally we switch the format when there's not a whole lot of game <laughs> to the game where we're like, okay, we're going to go through the seven core aesthetics because if we do visual, our usual visual audio gameplay, then we're going to be like, yep. And then <laughs> episode over. So, um, for one of them, when we were talking about the seven core aesthetics, we were talking about the difference between fantasy and expression. And, you know, so the, the knee jerk that I went to with fantasy was, you know, like, like your typical RPG, that type of thing. And one of the things that, uh, you asked and I struggled to come up with an example of is, is when we got to expression, um, you know, is, is you were like, well, how can you have, like, if you have a fantasy game, like an RPG, right. That's always going to have expression. And I was like, yes, RPGs have both. Like they are both fantasy and expression as core aesthetics. And then you're like, well, what, can you give me an example of one that has one, but not the other? And I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> This, this is the example of it, right? Because the game, it's it, it's a lot of cutscenes. It very much so forces you to play in a certain way. And it, to the point where, like, you are not just disincentivized from running and gunning. It is damn near, if not entirely impossible, you know? Um, so this is a game where it is fantasy. You are supposed to be Solid Snake, but there is no expression. You know, like, you are you are made to play the game a certain way. You are playing it as Solid Snake. Uh, so I thought that that was just kind of like when I made that realization, I was like, ah, Eureka, this is this is now my example of why those are different aesthetics as opposed to the same thing, which, yay, I'm happy that I now have a, a great example of it. Well, and and I, I think to uh, your your cleverness, because I, th- I think you're right. Um, there are a few times in the game and I, I won't go into deep details, but there's a few times in the game where they actually do allow you to solve a problem like a, in this case, I mean a boss fight, right? Cause there's lots of problems you can mm-hmm. solve in multiple ways, but the boss fights, they kind of want you to solve them a specific way, right? Revolver Ocelot, mm-hmm. you basically run back and forth in half circles until you've shot him enough times. Um, Vulcan Raven, you have to throw the grenades into the tank. I, I played this game dozens of times. I literally don't think there's any other way to do that. Um, Right. Uh, Psychomantis, you are supposed to switch the controller into the second port, which no one tells you. Um, but they're like, you can use the thermal goggles. If you have the bandana, you could just spin in circles, you know, firing insanely, right? The, the ninja, you basically have to fist fight him. You can shoot him to death, but it's so hard that it's not even worth it. Right? Like, but uh, when you get to the second Sniper Wolf fight and when you get to the actual Vulcan Raven fight where he's on his legs or, you know, walking around on his feet. I just forgot how to speak English for a second there. Uh, <laughs> he's on his legs um, as opposed to his tank. He, uh, You can beat Sniper Wolf in a sniper fight or you can just barrage her with missiles until she dies. And which is not like they don't act in universe that that's what you did in universe. They act like you won a sniper duel. Right. And when you fight Vulcan Raven, you can um, use a variety of explosives to kill him, but you can't really beat him in a gunfight, but you can be very clever with the way you use explosives to kill him. Right. You actually have multiple options. 
and but the game doesn't really recognize if you did one thing or the other thing. It's just that you beat him, right? So even these very few times where they're like, here's a large problem that you must overcome and you have a few different options for how you're going to overcome it, but we're not going to recognize that you did it. We're like when you beat Sniper Wolf, she says like, "I am lung shot," and it's like, "No, I hit you with like nine rockets. <laughs> you are rocket shot. You should be a cloud of mist right now. I shouldn't be having this <laughs> super sad dramatic death scene with you. Like this shouldn't even be happening. There should be a crater where you were standing, right? But but they can't do that because they have to tell the story that they're going to tell, like it or not. So um, not only do I think this is a good example um, of you know, fantasy, not expression, but they actually dig in on the couple of times they let you express yourself as a player that it does not impact the fantasy at all. Yeah. Where they're like, nope. But, uh, all that being said, man, they hold up. Oh no, you wait. There's a, there's two things I need to at least address. Um, one of them is, uh, the codec in this game is super important. They do not, Mm -hmm make it clear to you as a player how important it is because there's tons and tons and tons of secrets and dialogue and additional story and world building that is hidden in codec conversations. Some of which you can, a lot of which you can only access during specific uh, action sequences, during specific sneaking sequences, after waiting a certain amount of time, when you have a certain amount of uh, items in your inventory, when you're holding a certain gun, you, you get certain like tons and tons, Tons of world building and hints about what to do next, all hidden in the codec. They should be beating you back and forth across the face with how much you, the player, should be initiating codec conversations. And they don't do that, and I think that's a mistake. Another mistake is that, and we've talked about this mostly with like NES-era games, is uh, this game has a VR training option that literally walks you through like, here's how you crawl like through a vent. Here's how you sneak up on a guy. If you walk on a surface that looks like this, it's going to make footstep noises. Here's how the vision cone works, right? They literally walk you through all that stuff in these VR training missions, which should really be how the game opens. That should be the tutorial sequences. Like, you know, snake, we've pulled you out of retirement and we're going to have you go through these VR training sequences. Of course, they will be, you know, child's play to you, super soldier, but you know, you have to go through them to sync up the nano machines that Dr. Naomi, there's a million reasons they could put you into this stupid scenario. Right. <laughs> but right. they don't do it. And it pisses me off because the game spoon feeds you so much, but the things that they, for whatever reason, do not choose to spoon feed you can really harsh the experience. And if you're willing to experiment and die and and try things, they are really, really die, 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 die and die snake. They're really generous (laughs) with checkpoints. So the penalty for failure is actually quite low, which is great, but they could have still given you a little bit more of tutorial about how to play the game and had these, these checkpoints in there. And I know that the VR mechanic was well-received as like the stupid little side mode that only has these 10 little sequences in it because they actually made an entire spinoff game that is just the VR mode. And it's all these like random arbitrary puzzles, which is fun. How would you get from this side of the room to that side of the room if you only had a pack of cigarettes and a ration? How would you get from this side of the room to that side of the room if you had a Nikita missile launcher, right? Like how would you get over here without killing anyone? How would you get over here if you had to kill everyone, right? Like they put you, one of the scenes you fight a guard who's the size of Godzilla, like he's giant 
just for fun because you can do dumb nice. crap like that, right? Like they should have baked that into the main game, not made it a side thing that you could easily ignore and then an entirely separate game. Like that, that feels like a hardcore swing and a miss because they recognized some players were going to want to know how to play the game. And then they didn't bother to put it in the happy path. You could easily get all the way to the end of this game and not even know the VR training missions are there. Like I remember. Sp- I didn't know the VR training missions were there. Yeah. This is what I'm saying is like, it's <laughs> just another menu option that you would totally just pass over, especially in a game like this, where I don't feel incentivized to dive into the, the menu options in story driven games, right? Because I assume that the world is designed to help feed me the story. And if it's not, mm-hmm. that's a shortcoming, right? So that, that was, I wanted to make sure I ragged on that a little bit because the fact that they don't shove the VR missions and really push on you how important the codec conversations are feels like they built this super rich world and there's already so much damn story, but they wrote even more books and side stuff. And they're like, eh, if you get to it, it's fine. It's like, no, you put work into this, like help me experience it. <laughs> and, and so now uh, I will ask you in my best Clark Campbell impression, which I promise you is going to be or Clark, Clark Campbell. Is that his name? The guy who does uh, liquids voice. Um, I will now mm. ask you, George, did you like my nostalgia goggles? Cam Clark. That's his name. Cam Clark. Ah, excellent. Um, so do I think it's how I, 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 I thought about this a lot. Um, I'm going to give this a nostalgia monocle. Um, and here's why is did, did it hold up? There's a lot about this game that did hold up. There's a lot about this game that I found frustrating and infuriating. Uh, the aiming mechanics, which we didn't even touch on, but the, 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 the shooting was, damn near intolerable yeah, well, the, well, the we, controls we, we were said a the little... game does not want you to get into shootouts and that is one of the ways yes. they disincentivize you is the shooting mechanics suck yeah the shooting mechanics suck but then they force you to use them against revolver ocelot i could have gone my whole life without running around chasing that jerk around <laughs> that that darpa literally one time i ran into the room and just blew us both up out of frustration <laughs> out of just sheer pettiness um but <laughs> But so so but then that being said is the visuals are beautiful um the 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 kind of the way it approaches a lot of those um the the, the all the the positive stuff we said towards the beginning like all of that is also true the the thing to me that honestly puts off the edge is that this game is so heavily focused on the plot right and the bad writing just really twists the plot for me right so that that to me was like the thing where i was like i was like, like on the edge i was like this, this may be no nostalgia goggles needed and i was like ah, nostalgia monocle back and forth but then like i thought about it it's like would i recommend this to somebody to be like hey you know this game has some fallbacks but here you go the answer is no just because i i, I would be so i honestly i'd be afraid if i recommend this to somebody they came back to me and be like do you think that this is an appropriate way to people <laughs> to behave around one another and it's like well no i mean like that's that's not you know that's not part of it you know so so to me that's the thing that that kind of puts me over the edge if if you're okay with that or can tolerate it or are aware of it and you 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 yourself played metal gear solid you know and you're like oh, i might go back and you know pick it back up do i do i need to really have played the hell of it no it's 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 overall it's enjoyable but uh yeah, you got to watch out for that writing. Well, man. Th- this is a rare instance of us not only agreeing, because I'm, I'm with you, nostalgia monocle required because of the writing, right? So not only do we have the same rating, but for the same reason, um, the one additional... That's rare? 
I feel like that's not rare. <laughs> same rating for the exact same reason? Mm, for the exact same reason, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Like, I, I think we pretty consistently are on the same page with the yeah, rating. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm rating and reason for the rating. Um, the, mm. the one thing I would mm. add to your list of, like, reasons I would tell someone to go back and play this is I would say if you really want to play Metal Gear Solid 5, which is an amazing game, it's current gen, it's it's just amazingly fun. It's so good, and it's more insanity, right? It's more bananas story mm-hmm. in this universe, more fourth wall shenanigans, more hemi, ridiculous Metal Gear Solid nonsense. I would sh- actually tell someone, like, if you really want to play Metal Gear Solid 5, you can start there, and you could play just that one but if you are willing to put in the 40 hours, go back, play the first one, then the second one, then the third one, then the fourth one, then play Metal Gear Solid 5, right? So like someone who was like, oh, you know, I've heard about the universe. I would say like, okay, you have to start at the beginning, not because the story is completely impregnable if you don't start at the beginning, because the story is completely impregnable if you start at the beginning, right? <laughs> the, it's, it's, it's insane. When the fourth game came out, they literally released ahead of time a downloadable like dictionary of like, here's this character who is actually this character in disguise, who is a clone of this other character, but then they betrayed this person. And then you found out that actually none of that happened. And it was a dream. Like I'm serious, like just pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of like trying to remind you of what happened in the first three games to get you to the fourth game. And then the fifth game certainly doesn't, tie up any loose ends it's more bonkers insanity and adds in all kinds of new stuff right so i you you really should commit either fully or only play metal gear solid 5 like if if you think metal gear solid 5 looks fun and you're willing to accept that there's going to be a ton of references that will make no damn sense to you like that's totally fine the game is so good that it's worth just jumping into but it if you want to have a feeling for what's going on in this universe, you really got to start from the beginning. And to me, that's the best reason to tolerate the horrible writing and the dated stereotypes and all of the other negative things that go along with the translation of the already terrible writing, right? Like you just, nobody likes the first season of Star Trek Next Generation, but if you've never seen Star Trek Next Generation before, you should really watch the first season because otherwise the following six seasons will make no sense. Like, they'll make way less sense. Or, or, yeah, way less sense. I mean, yeah, I, I can definitely, you know, get on board with the, if you're going to do the whole series, you should you should check this one out. But uh, all that would, I think, I think my audio is cutting out lions. Lions? Lions! The curtain falls. The music plays, the credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself, the fanfare is gone. There's no player two, there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress, down the hall to your bed, A few great events leak back into your head From the time that you spent Traversing the land Battling evil, fighting the darkness Just sword in hand Your memories creeping With the end of a smile 